0: You're watching Global BC. This is Global News Hour at 6. Good
1: evening and thanks for joining us. A big sigh of relief for thousands of commuters in Metro Vancouver. Early this morning, a last minute deal averted a three-day system-wide shutdown of buses and sea buses.
0: And it really did go down to the wire. Jordan Armstrong has more on just how close it was and what we know about the deal.
2: Thank God for it! Her reaction sums it up for hundreds of thousands of bus users who went to bed Tuesday night not knowing if yeah, their usual rides would be rolling on Wednesday.
3: It excellent, yeah, it was really good news. I didn't know if I was going to get
2: home. <laughs> I've already arranged to take three days holiday.
4: But it
1: ended at midnight?
2: It actually ended half an hour later. The original midnight strike deadline came and went with no deal. But minutes before a new drop-dead 12:30 deadline...
3: Thank you so much. I'm here to announce that we have a tentative agreement for TransLink.
2: Collective bargaining is a, is a tough process. Um, we had a lot of things we needed to uh, get done. What are those things, the deal details? So far, it's a closely guarded secret. But reading between the lines, some potential clues.
5: Something we'll have to give.
2: Monday, TransLink's CEO said union wage demands, at that time, jeopardized transit expansion plans.
5: They have not moved off of on wages, threatened to put that balance out of whack.
2: Now TransLink says... There are no
6: plans to roll back expansion in any way.
2: Which means that either Desmond was bluffing or Unifor came down on its money demands. Well, At the end of the day, uh, we certainly didn't take the offer that was on the table. There was a lot of movement. Uh, we've been saying all along that we were prepared to negotiate. A ratification meeting will happen next Thursday in Surrey. That's when the workers will learn the terms of the proposed deal, and McGarrigal believes they will vote to accept. Well, simply our bargaining committee wouldn't have reached a deal unless we were fairly confident that we would have the membership support. For now, the burn barrels will be carried back into storage and the buses will keep carrying passengers.
5: Have a nice day. Hope everybody is happy.
2: Jordan Armstrong, Global News.
0: All right, let's bring in Keith Baldry right now. who's live in Victoria. Keith, obviously we don't have a lot of details about this deal, but it's the art of compromise when you <laughs> do get to an agreement like this. Do we know what impact, if any, this deal could have on the transportation plan for the region moving forward. Well, I'm going to
7: continue the tea leave reading that Jordan started in his story, talking to some people over here today, people who are close to the union and to uh, basically the issues at hand. Also, New Westminster Mayor Jonathan Cote, the chair of the Mayor's Council. Again, if you go back to the point Jordan made, they were so far apart, so far apart that that jeopardized the transportation plan. Now that transportation plan is not in jeopardy, which tells me they came close together, mostly on the company side. Here's New Westminster Mayor Jonathan Cote.
8: Ultimately, from the Mayor's Council perspective, uh, you know, we were very clear. We didn't want to see uh, the settlement uh, dig into uh, to the expansion plans for transit. And ultimately, we see the expansion of the bus service uh, not only a huge benefit to, to residents in, in Metro Vancouver, but also helping address, uh, address the issues of, of the bus operators. And uh, it's my understanding that uh, all of that expansion is still going to be able to, to move ahead.
5: So the buzz out, buzz out
7: there, Chris, is that the deal that was reached last night is more closely aligned with what the employer was offering rather than what the union was seeking. It was a $600 million gap. If you went with the union side, that would have wrecked the expansion plans. Those plans are still intact, which tells me the company won a lot more
0: last night than the union, than the union did. All right. It sounds like they'll be voting on it next Thursday. Mm-hmm. All right. Thanks very much, Keith.
1: Well, there are calls tonight from municipalities in Metro Vancouver to follow the lead of the Tri-Cities when it comes to ride-hailing. That region is establishing a single business license for rideshare companies to operate. Jean-Hua has more on why advocates say requiring separate licenses for every municipality makes no sense.
9: Waiting for the bus... Feeling like they just dodged a bullet.
10: I was like stressing out trying to find rides and stuff.
9: Transit users say barely escaping a full-scale bus strike. Just highlights the need for ride hailing. Hopefully it comes soon because it'll be better than taxis. It's really important to like have a backup plan. The tri-cities of Port Moody, Coquitlam and Port Coquitlam now banding together to streamline the process of getting a ride hailing business license.
2: It's three different councils. Three different mayors, three different staffs, but we were able to get it done in in pretty short order.
9: The goal, a one-size-fits-all regional approach across all of Metro Vancouver.
2: The idea that you're gonna have 21 different licenses with 21 different fees, with 21 different rules for the 21 different municipalities in our region uh, is just kind of laughable.
9: Right now in Vancouver, ride-hailing license requirements include charging $155 per company, 100 bucks per vehicle and a $0.30 cent fee for curbside pickup and drop-off during daytime hours. The Tri-City is charging a business license fee based on fleet size, no per-car fee, and $0.10 cents for pickups only.
2: We have a real concern about congestion and the effect of that on our road network. And uh, right now we have we can expect about 500 taxis out there on a, on a given day. Uh, with ride-hailing, we could have 5000
9: Critics say prohibitive costs can't get in the way of public convenience.
2: I think Vancouver's going to have to fold their cards. And say, you know what, for the good of the region, we need to have a single licensing scheme that's affordable and makes sense to people that are providing the service. Despite some holdouts, the
9: Tri-Cities hope the majority of municipalities are ready to hail in this new service as soon as possible. John Hua, Global News.
1: And while we wait to see if ride-hailing makes it in time for Christmas, a holiday safety blitz targeting limousines has had some rather concerning results. Vancouver police say of the 30 limos that underwent safety checks last Friday night, five were removed from the road altogether. 36 violation tickets were issued along with 25 notice and orders informing drivers their vehicles were in need of service or repair.
0: Now to that windstorm that blew in overnight, knocking out power to thousands of people on the lower mainland and southern Vancouver Island. Nadia Stewart is live in the valley for us tonight, where it's still blowing pretty strong, Nadia.
4: Yeah, it's still pretty blustery out here. And there are still 600 customers off the grid in North Vancouver. But Chris, it's nothing compared to what they saw overnight. The cleanup began early Wednesday morning after a gusty night on the North Shore.
7: Last night, a tree fell about 10.30 down the end of the block there. But 10, 20 minutes later, a very large tree took out power. So we've been without power all night.
4: And he woke up to this, his work vehicle covered in trees with a lamppost looming overhead.
7: This is probably top 10, I would say. Yeah, it's pretty thick uh,
2: with branches and stuff everywhere, so...
4: Trees falling on power lines knocked about 22,000 customers off the grid at the height of it all, about 19,000 on the North Shore and 3,000 on the Gulf Islands. Many woke up to messy scenes like this one as BC Hydro crews worked to restore power. We have a number of crews we brought in, uh, both our BC Hydro crews as well as our contractor crews, uh, working around the clock since early this morning. Uh, again, we will have some contractor crews heading over on the ferries as soon as possible to get over to the Gulf Islands to, to work on repairs there. This is what drivers on the Coquihalla were met with earlier today. A bit of blowing snow and a lot of wind. But nothing drivers who frequently travel this route aren't used to.
5: How bad is it? It's not bad. No. Oh, Nice summer day.
4: There's still a couple thousand customers without power in Coquitlam, but I'm told by BC Hydro that they should be back on the grid by about 7 o'clock. And we're going to get out of here, Chris, because I'm about to have a Mary Poppins moment out here.
1: It's so (laughs) blustery,
0: so I'll throw it back to you. All right, get warm. Thanks very much. Nadia Stewart out in the Valley for us tonight.
1: Barrier RCMP are releasing a composite sketch of a man they hope the public can help identify in connection with an alleged child abduction. Take a look. The suspect has been described as about 40 years old, 5 feet 7 inches tall, with hazel eyes, Brown short hair and a brown full beard shaped into a point at the end. RCMP say last Friday, the victim, a 10-year-old girl, was allegedly grabbed by the wrist in the area of Dunlake Road and Barrier Town Road in Barrier. Anyone with information is asked to call RCMP or Crime Stoppers. And take a look at these guys. Three suspects in a string of B&Es in Pitt Meadows. Police believe the same person or group of people is behind at least nine incidents, including thefts from mailboxes, vehicles and storage lockers over a period of several months. They've made one arrest, 43-year-old Port Coquitlaman, but they believe he has three accomplices. If you have any information, you are asked to call Ridge Meadows RCMP or Crime Stoppers.
0: A major shakeup in how B.C. doctors and other health professionals are regulated could be on the way. The changes would dramatically improve transparency and consistency in the system. Richard Zussman has more on the proposal from a cross-government committee and how it could impact your health care. They regulate
11: doctors, chiropractors, massage therapists and every other health professional in the province. Now the college system is getting a proposed major overhaul. I think this
5: modernizes the process and addresses some of the, the challenges we faced of uh, colleges uh, perhaps not being able to uh, uh, to um, to uh, support the public interest.
11: An all-party steering committee made up of Health Minister Adrian Dix, Liberal MLA Norm Letnick, and Green Party MLA Sonia Firstnow is putting forward major recommendations. The first, to ensure boards of the colleges are made up of the public and not just health officials from that specific board. Reducing the colleges from a bloated 20 to a streamlined 5. Three, making it easier for other health bodies to get regulated. And finally, a big step towards public accountability by providing results of all public complaints where action is taken.
2: If a, a member of uh, any of the colleges is found in contravention and is disciplined, that, that would be available to the public.
11: Some colleges, including the College for Chiropractors, have been criticized for violating policies and not publicly disclosing those violations. The change is now headed to public consultation.
12: We will reach outcomes that we can ideally all agree upon and all support because we are recognizing that public. Well-being and safety is, is really a non-partisan issue.
11: The College of Physicians and Surgeons, the province's largest college, is one of those that will remain intact. When asked for comment on Wednesday,
5: they said they are still reviewing the proposal. It is a very significant change to an area of provincial regulation we're talking about here. The sheer number of professionals in question
11: is very large. Changes of this magnitude take time. The province will be accepting public feedback until January 10th with a plan to implement changes later in the new year. Richard Zussman, Global News, Victoria.
1: Vancouver City Council has backed a proposal for free year-round parking for veterans. Right now, those with veterans' plates are exempt from fees at Vancouver parking meters and lots during Veterans Week in November. Last night, a motion by NPA councillor Melissa Genova to make that exemption year-round was passed by council. The city will work toward implementing the plan by next Remembrance Day. Right now, though, do you showroom, visit a store to examine a product before buying it online or in a big box store where it's often cheaper? If you don't do this, you likely know someone who does.
0: And while it's not always about price, Aaron MacArthur explains how the shopping behavior could eventually backfire for consumers. This is what sets reckless bikes apart.
7: In-house service. Knowledgeable staff with great customer service. But more and more, stores like this are getting bypassed for stores online. Shoppers engaged in what's known as showrooming. Trying out things in the real world, only to pay for them in the virtual one.
11: What we predominantly see it is with um, higher-end accessories. So I'll get a, someone come in here and they'll put a lock in their hand. It's a $200 lock. And I can see them looking at their phone and looking at the lock.
8: How
7: big an effect is showrooming having? 60% of businesses have reported it occurring. And what's more, a third have said it's had a major impact on their bottom line. On the flip side, just more than half of consumers admit to doing it. The most likely demographic, 18 to 39-year-olds.
10: When shoppers choose to go to online, uh, online big corporations, unfortunately that dollar is leaving
7: their communities. Small retailers are trying to compete online if they can, but in many cases it's just not viable. With Black Friday and Cyber Monday approaching, the CFIB is urging people to think and act locally. The majority of Canadian shoppers
10: really do prefer shopping local than online. And what I'd love to see is that action coming through and not just the words.
11: In the retail world now, you're either you're big or you're small. And if you're caught in the middle and you're just a lukewarm product, that's where you're in trouble.
7: At Reckless Bikes, staff have embraced online shoppers. People may have purchased their bike online, but the Internet can't fix it. Adaptation, the key to success in the modern retail environment.
0: Aaron MacArthur, Global News. A dazzling new art installation is being unveiled tonight under the north end of the Granville Street Bridge.
1: And that's where we find meteorologist Yvonne Schell. Yvonne, this is the public art component of Vancouver
12: House, uh, more colloquially known as the Twisty Tower. Yes, and this spinning chandelier, if you want to come check it out, we're just on Beach Avenue, right underneath the bridge, and you can hear the entertainment that's kicked off behind me. Now, from the city of Vancouver, this is Eric Fredrusting to talk a little bit about this. Uh, It's a fantastic feature. Tonight's a big night, the unveiling of it. What can we anticipate, and if people are still planning on coming down to check it
5: out? Well, so after we've said a few words, uh, the, the piece will have its official debut. So what will happen is it'll light up, Uh, descend, begin slowly spinning, and then speed up to the point that the crystals are all splaying out from the side. And that's the regular performance that the piece will do uh, twice a day once it's up and running.
12: And right now there's tentative times. if you can't check it out tonight, when would be the other times that you can check it up? It will be a permanent feature here.
5: It's gonna be a permanent feature under the Granville Bridge. Uh, Right now the plan is for it to happen at noon and nine daily, but that's subject to a little bit of adjustment.
12: And this is great because this is done by a local artist and this is just a nice feature for art to be displayed in the city of Vancouver.
5: Yeah, I think for Rodney Graham, who was born in Abbotsford and built an entire career working in Vancouver uh, and really showed that it was possible to have an international art career while staying in this city, uh, it's really exciting to have this permanent project by him and, and one of the most significant projects by him permanently here in the city.
12: We're looking forward to it tonight and then, the, then the, and the days going forward. So thank you so much for your time. There's still some time to check it out. Things will be kicking off. or the uh, It'll be descending, rather, just after 7 o'clock this evening. And it's chilly if you're planning on coming down. I've got your full forecast, especially as you approach the next couple of days. You'll want to bundle up for the morning. And once again, we're just underneath the Granville Street Bridge. Back to you guys.
1: It'll be quite the sight. Thank you, Yvonne. You
4: All those in favour, please rise. Thank you. Be seated. Those who oppose, please indicate or rise.
8: None. Nemine contradiccende.
1: And with that unanimous vote in the legislature in Victoria, B.C. became the first jurisdiction in Canada to pass legislation implementing the United Nations Declaration on Indigenous Peoples. Among many other things, the legislation requires that indigenous peoples are included in all decision-making that impacts their
0: rights. Environmentalists in B.C. are calling on Prime Minister Justin Trudeau to follow through on his campaign promise to transform B.C.'s salmon farming industry.
1: As Linda Ailsworth reports, they say it's time the farms were moved out of the ocean and into closed containment facilities on land. One election
10: promise made by the federal Liberals two months ago involved the controversial topic of salmon farms. In British Columbia, we will work with the province to develop a responsible plan to transition from open-net pen salmon farming in coastal waters to closed containment systems by 2025. It was a promise we were thrilled to hear, and it's one that we hope will be reflected in the mandate letters for DFO Minister Jordan. What's a mandate letter? the directions of the prime minister to the ministers and the expectations for what that minister will achieve. After years of controversy, because the open-net pens allow waste, pathogens, and parasites to spread to wild salmon, this is the first time a federal government has made such a pledge.
2: British Columbians have a lot to do with that, and also maybe some of the decimated wild salmon returns that we saw this past fall may have changed their minds.
10: One argument against the move to land has long been a lack of technology. Closed containment technology is Growing by leaps and bounds, countries around the world are transitioning to closed containment for salmon. Canada is fallen behind. As for concerns about job losses... This industry can bring up to 4,000 jobs to northern Vancouver Island, so it's n- this is not about job killing. Other benefits to farming in freshwater on land? No more sea lice outbreaks, no more entanglements that kill marine mammals, and no more massive die-offs due to things like algae blooms. Even so, the B.C. Salmon Farmers Association is not happy about Trudeau's pledge. Well,
7: the pledge uh, is inconsistent with the work that we've been doing with DFO over the last year to look at new technology. In fact, uh, it's the minister's own advice. It doesn't actually advocate for full close containment.
10: But the pledge has been made, a promise many others hope will be kept. We won't believe it until it happens, but we are going to keep pressing the Minister Jordan and the Prime Minister. Linda Aylesworth, Global News.
1: Global News contacted the Department of Fisheries, but at this point they have not responded to our request for an interview or a
0: statement. Want to reduce your carbon footprint at work without even getting up from your desk? Well, a new British study says cut down on unnecessary emails. The research found that Brits sent 64 million unnecessary emails every day, and the energy used by servers to send those emails generated more than 23,000 tons of carbon per year. So what are the most popular unnecessary emails? Apparently, the study puts thank you at the top, followed by thanks. Others include have a good weekend, cheers, and the ever-popular LOL. The study says if everyone sent out just one less thank you email a day, it would save more than 16,000 tons of carbon every year.
1: You still haven't answered my email.
0: Well, I'm saving the planet. (laughs) I'll have about 36 hours of windshield time. That's one American traveler gearing up for a 36-hour drive to his Thanksgiving destination. Some 55 million Americans are expected to travel more than 80 kilometers from home for Thanksgiving. And many of them are going to be dealing with major storms carrying heavy rain, high winds, and snow in the northeast, midwest, southeast, and out on the West Coast. Now, a community in southern Texas is still recovering tonight after two massive explosions rocked a chemical plant.
1: Home security cameras capturing the first overnight explosion near Port Neches, just east of Houston. About 12 hours later, as firefighters battle the flames, a second huge blast. The explosions blew in windows and even garage doors in homes for several kilometers around the plant. Residents within a one-kilometer radius had been evacuated after that first explosion. Three workers were injured. So far, no fatalities have been reported. This is the third major explosion at a chemical plant in the region since 2013.
0: Once again tonight, the action of this NHL season is being overshadowed by what's happening off the ice.
1: With the head coach of the Calgary Flames under investigation after allegations of abuse and racism, some are saying the recent controversies shine a harsh spotlight on a culture that needs to change. They're on the road and in need of a win, but Calgary
6: Flames players had little to work on during Wednesday morning's skate in Buffalo. The practice cut short as the team continues to deal with drama behind the scenes.
4: It's tough news to hear, but I mean, at the same time, it's uh, right now we're just thinking about uh, the game against Buffalo.
0: Everything else will be decided when everybody's done their, their due diligence on it. So I don't really have a comment on any of that stuff. I'm just uh, worrying about what's going on here around the game. But
6: for now, the Flames are playing without coach Bill Peters behind the bench. His future with the team very much up in the air following mounting allegations of abuse from a growing number of former players. Peters, through the Flames, has not responded. Akeem Alou was the first to come forward. On Twitter, Alou, who is black, says Peters directed racist comments towards him when Peters was his coach in the minor leagues a decade ago. Then Mikhail Jordan came forward with a second allegation, that Peters kicked him and punched other players in the head while he was coach of the Carolina Hurricanes. The current coach of the Hurricanes backs up Jordan's claims
5: for sure happened, the two, the two issues that are in question. Um, but to me, it's what happened after that I'm proud about, actually, the way the players handled it and the way the sports staff handled it, which was bring it to management right away.
6: But former NHL player Dan Carcillo says the problem goes beyond one coach, alleging Daryl Sutter, his former coach with the LA Kings, was abusive towards players as well.
7: Brutal. The worst coach I've ever had in my life. Just negative, negative, old school Sutter, walk on eggshells, demean people in front of the room, um, in front of everybody.
6: Sutter has not responded publicly to Carcillo's allegations. Global News reached out to Daryl Sutter directly and through his family foundation as well as his current team, but didn't get a response.
8: I think when you look back at how sport evolved, it's a lot of a military background. There's a lot of chain of command, stays in the room type of idea.
6: Sports marketing specialist Bob Stelick believes the hockey world is experiencing a wake-up call, that the old school ways of the past will no longer be accepted moving forward.
8: Well, the NHL and sport is really a reflection of what's going on in society. And I think we all thought things were getting a lot better than they were. And maybe this is a bit of a, um, a, a realization for everyone that we've got a long way to go still.
6: A long way with plenty of uncertainty as the NHL tries to skate through another rough patch. Heather, your west Global News, Calgary.
1: Dozens of university students crowded a Toronto courthouse today to see the suspect in a bizarre and disturbing series of attacks. A warning, though, the subject matter in this story could be disturbing for some people. Twenty-three-year-old Samuel Opoku made a brief appearance to face charges of assault with a weapon and mischief related to three alleged attacks where liquefied feces were dumped onto strangers at two campus libraries and a downtown sidewalk. Opoku spent most of his appearance hunched over in the prisoner's box, looking straight down.
3: I feel like everyone's just a little relieved that we can focus on our studies as exams are coming up.
1: Court documents show that Apoku was convicted of criminal harassment in Hamilton in 2017 and has since been convicted twice for failing to comply with his probation conditions. His bail hearing was adjourned until next week. He'll remain in custody until then.
0: The shocking and sudden death of a Vancouver-based Taiwanese-Canadian actor is raising questions about a Chinese reality show. <laughs> 35-year-old Godfrey Gao suffered an apparent heart attack while filming Chase Me, a show that puts contestants through some pretty tough endurance exercises. Gao was the first Asian male model for Louis Vuitton, and in 2015 he was the face of the Canadian Tourism Commission's Chinese campaign. In the wake of his death, social media posts have accused the producers of Chase Me of pushing its contestants too hard in unsafe conditions.
1: In Health Matters tonight, BC Children's Hospital is celebrating a medical milestone, its 300th kidney transplant.
8: I only had one kidney.
0: Five-year-old Jeremy is one of the many patients whose lives have been saved by transplants at BC Children's. Jeremy was diagnosed with kidney cancer at eight months and had to have the organ removed. The surgery was a success, but a year later, his remaining kidney began to shut down. Doctors decided to remove that one as well, and just two days after his third birthday, Jeremy received a new kidney from his father.
12: Jeremy started kindergarten in September, which he absolutely loves. Um, And, yeah, you'd never know anything was wrong with him.
2: He's doing amazing.
5: With only 30 years or 40 years of transplant history, of course, we don't know how things are going into the fifth and sixth decade after transplant. But we know that our kids now, say in the last 10 years, are doing better than kids were doing 10 years ago and 10 years before that. So we continue to make progress.
0: The first pediatric kidney transplant at BC Children's took place in 1983. Right now, there are three children on the wait list for a kidney transplant. Five more are waiting for a heart or liver transplant. You can register to be a donor at transplant.bc.ca.
1: Meanwhile, a New Jersey hospital is promising to do a better job after it mistakenly gave a kidney transplant to the wrong person. The organ was given to a 51-year-old patient who didn't need it, bypassing the patient on the transplant list. The hospital says the two happen to have the same name. Luckily, the wrong recipient was a match and is doing well, and the other patient got their transplant on Sunday.
0: What may be a sign of things to come from the colonel in Ontario? Ontario.
1: For one day and only at this location in Mississauga, Kentucky Fried Chicken Canada tried out some plant-based menu items. They included a plant-based fried chicken sandwich and fried popcorn chicken.
2: Tastes like KFC's original meat, yeah, tastes like KFC.
1: And I was really looking forward to this. I came here at like
9: 7.30 and I've been waiting for it and I'm not disappointed. It tastes nice. It's very nice (laughs) and crispy.
1: KFC Canada says it will review the feedback to determine whether these meatless options will be rolled out across Canada next year. Oh, oh. Oh,
0: no, no. A wandering bear gives a California family the scare of a lifetime. How they finally got the animal out of the vehicle after the forecast.
1: After it went for a little joy ride. <laughs> All right, meteorologist Yvonne Shell is out uh, in the cold under the Granville Bridge uh, where there's a big party for the chandelier. It's about to spin in about an hour from now. Mm-hmm.
12: Yes, and lots of people are gathered. It's just started to fill in, and I anticipate more will. If you do want to come down, there's live entertainment just behind with the stage. There's food trucks. A great way to stay warm, and the reason being is uh, temperatures are very chilly. We've got very windy conditions. A glance at some of the numbers and what we're looking at for tonight. We're sitting at four but many spots this evening, and for tomorrow morning, with the wind chill, we'll be into the minus double digits. Right now, for areas will- at will- near Williams Lake, currently feeling like minus 18. Still very windy eastern areas, and stretching into the Fraser Valley. Sustained at 52 for Abbotsford, and right now, there's gusts at 72 kilometers per hour in areas near Hope, closer to 50 kilometers per hour. A wind warning still in effect. Sustained winds at 70 and could see gusts of up to 90 kilometers per hour. It's the southeastern area of Metro Vancouver, including Langley and Surrey, that's included within that. Howe Sound, Victoria, and areas near the Southern Gulf Islands. It'll ease off this evening, but still very windy for tomorrow and chilly. Looking ahead towards the weekend especially leading into Saturday and Sunday. Northern half of the province, plenty of sunshine by the afternoon, only getting into the minus double digits inland for the northern half. The southern half of the province in the early morning hours, the wind chill will be into the minus teens. South coast tomorrow morning, do bundle up. It's gonna be a cold one, very windy still. Wind chill on Friday morning at minus 10. Dry and sunny over the next few days, but you will need to bundle up. If you're planning on coming down to the spinning chandelier, you still have some time, and if you don't catch it tonight, it'll be uh, descending twice every day. The times are to be determined, but we'll have more information back to you guys.
0: Sounds good. Thanks very much, Yvonne. Stay warm down there, too. Looks like fun, but it does look cold. All right, a family in the Lake Tahoe area watched a wildlife drama play out in their own driveway when a bear took a liking to something in their SUV. He's going near your car,
9: Dick. (coughs) Dick, seriously. (gasps) Dick. Oh, God. He smells whatever. no, no, no.
0: (laughs) The bear got in easily enough but couldn't seem to get out. After several minutes with who knows what happening inside, one brave soul finally, after two tries, gets the door open. We gotta
2: get that open! I want him to go away. There,
6: he's gonna get out now. He's out. out.
1: (laughs) Poor little one. The bear wandered around the driveway for a few minutes before walking away. At this point, (laughs) We've had no word on the condition of the vehicle. The exterior looks fine, but <laughs> those bears, man, they don't...
0: They tear things up when right? they get in there. I don't you know. They
1: won't use the little garbage container in the car. They just toss the, things around. The
8: bear got in, and it's like, uh,
0: I should have learned how to drive a standard. I, I, right? <laughs> I
8: can't, I can't work a stick. I can't move this thing.
1: Kept okay.
8: uh,
0: Squires here. Things are going off in this Canucks game tonight. Yeah, we're going to
8: show you. It's, it's like 1985 has come back again.
3: <laughs> hmm.
1: Well, a lot has happened in the well, past, I don't know, 10 seconds in the Canucks game.
8: That was... Uh, that, since you
1: left. Since that was,
8: you. I'm serious. That was pure 80s hockey. That was yeah. the 80s where, you know, nothing, nothing seemed to get stopped. High scoring. Very high scoring. Bullets. The goalies wore tiny pads. Tiny pads, the Goldies were tiny guys. Uh, When the Canucks started this six-game road trip, the general feeling was they would be super happy if they could win just half of the games. Three would be huge. Well, tonight in Pittsburgh, they had a chance to win three because they've already won in Nashville and in Washington. Oh, the Canucks had Nikolai Goldolbin back after he was brought up and Sven Berchi was replaced. Berchi didn't really do very much in his time here when he was up from Utica. Goldolben, of course, leading the comments offensively. Didn't really do much tonight, but Got Travis Green saw, saw plenty of goals both ways. First one was right back off a face-off. Draw, Jake a Gensel back, making it one nothing through. for the Penguins. Take Rust another look here. There. Just don't Jake often see this on happen, on but rusted. it worked. So it's one it's nothing for Pittsburgh. Then on the power play, Brian Rust who never sleeps (laughs) from Malkin who had a massive game tonight. That made it 2-0 for the Penguins. Perfect pass. Canucks don't get their sticks in the way, and Vancouver's down early. Looks like the Penguins might run away with it. Then, Quinn Hughes. I know JT Miller, who scores here, has been great this season, but I still, for my money, think Quinn Hughes has been the Canucks' best player. He doesn't panic, he makes great passes. I love the way that kid plays. 2-1 in the first period. Then, Hughes, watch here. See that lead pass? That gets this going. Pedersen, back from Vertanen, and it's 2-2
11: little give and
7: go, Pedersen and Vertanen. So, Canucks
8: back in it. Then the Canucks take the lead. Jake Vertanen, as the Penguins had chances to score, they can't beat Demko. Here come the Canucks. McEwen, good speed by Vertanen. Latang just gives up, basically. Doesn't realize Vertanen has speed, puts a little backhand move, and it's 3-2. 41 seconds later, the Canucks take a 4-2 lead. Adam Gaudette. Control, control,
11: control, back the point. And here's
8: Matt Murray loses control of the rebound. They'd eventually pull him, and it's 4-2. Early in the third, it was 4-3. Penguins scored early in the third. Then the Canucks get a weird goal. The stick actually breaks of Jack Johnson on JT Miller's shot, and so the puck takes a funny bounce, and it's in. So it's 5-3 Canucks. And then 35 seconds later, Letangu. it's Gaudet again. Adam Godet as Latang doesn't look very good here either, makes a move, scores a goal. So now it's 6-3 Canucks. It in, it's six Looks three. like it's all good. Another look at Godet. Nice. Then things unravel. Dominic Kuhn. Or Cahoon make that. Dominahic Cahoon makes it six to four. Then on a power play, and Jenny Malkin. just lines it up and scores. Six, five. Next, Zach Aston Reese as the Canucks are losing energy here.
7: And the have the Walker
8: Six, six. And then Chris Letang, who was brutal through most of this game, He gets a goal, and this proved to be the winner. There would be an empty netter, but this is the 7-6 goal. And a 6-3 lead evaporates like water in the sun. And there you go. The Canucks lose 8-6. Jeff Ward now running the Flames bench until further notice, although I think he'll be running it the rest of the year. TJ Brody, who collapsed in practice recently, Scores his first goal since getting back in the lineup for Calgary. They're in Buffalo. Jimmy Vesey here, shorthanded. Shorthanded again for He scores. This game would go to overtime. And in OT, Matthew Kachuk. with a shot. No. Elias Lindholm.
0: Here's a chance. Lindholm backhand scores.
8: Flames win one for the interim head coach. Three-two for Calgary. Oh. One of the most popular Vancouver Titans this past season won't be around next year. Bumper is not coming back to the Titans. What? I know.
1: I just bought his jersey.
8: I know. (laughs) Bumper's not coming back. And he actually was a key member. This is, for all the people who are fans of the Overwatch League, this was a big surprise that he's not coming back to Vancouver because he was a key guy in their runner-up finish this year. You get poached by another team. We'll talk about it later. Yeah. (laughs) Thanks. But you know what? Your jersey will still look good. Yeah, Yeah,
11: okay. Here's today's snow report Whisper Blackcomb opening tomorrow. Grouse Cypress Sasquatch still an opening to be determined. Manning Park opens at a later date. Revelstoke and Fernie open on November 30th. Kicking Horse opening December 6th. Big White and Silver Star open tomorrow. Sun Peaks is open with a base of 64 centimeters. Apex opens December 7th. Mount Washington will open at a later date. Whitewater opens December 6th. Red Mountain December 12th. Powder King a base of 156.
0: Well, there's an ambitious plan that could bring Alberta's two biggest cities much
3: closer together.
1: It's the stuff of science fiction, but one company wants to turn the Hyperloop into a reality. Global's Vinesh Pratap explains.
3: Imagine arriving in downtown Calgary from Edmonton, about a 300 kilometer trip in a half an hour. If there
10: was a faster way to get from point A to point B, that would be a lot preferable.
3: A private company, Transpod, is the latest to promote its high-speed plan to connect Alberta's two major cities. The Hyperloop is an elevated guideway supporting two 4-metre diameter tubes. Specialized vehicles the size of a train coach would travel along at high speeds, reaching a 1,000 kilometres per hour at some spots. Four stops are initially planned, downtown Calgary, the Calgary Airport, Red Deer, and the Edmonton Airport, with the pods carrying passengers and cargo departing potentially every two minutes. We're not asking for public money. We're really asking for uh, a letter of support. The company needs about a 10 to 20 kilometer strip of provincial land along the highway to set up a test track. Transpot says it reached a deal with the previous NDP government, but according to the CEO, there was a provision to tear everything down following testing. We can't do that. We, we have to uh, provide visibility to uh, those investors. And now with a new government, a renewed push to get the tube concept off the ground. But, but the level of interest is, uh, is pretty low. In a statement, the minister's office indicates it's open to new private sector proposals to increase transportation options, adding the province has not yet received a proposal from Transpod. But even if the concept gains speed, it still raises questions for some who serve highway travelers. We'd probably end up shutting down this business. Transpod believes if everything comes together, that its hyperloop could be running by 2030. Do you think the, the, the province should maybe give this consideration?
6: I think so, for sure. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I think it's part of the future.
3: A decade for science fiction to perhaps become science fact. Vinesh Pratap, Global News. If
0: they don't want it, let's bring it here. Yeah, for sure. Well, let's check in right now with uh, Yvonne, who's down at the big unveil. Should be happening any minute now, Yvonne.
12: Yes, we're just underneath the Granville Street Bridge on Beach Avenue. There's still time to come. The chandeliers did going to descend within the next half an hour. Um, great crowd that's out here, but if you're planning on coming down, you will need to bundle up, and it's going to be very chilly over the next few days. Guys?
0: All right, thanks very much, Yvonne. The big unveil, the big reveal will be shown on BC1 and throughout the evening here.
1: And then we're going to see a modern dancer wearing like a flesh-coloured leotard swinging from the chandelier. <laughs>
8: Or just a guy wait till New Year's Eve, so you guys can do it for (laughs) sure. It's true. Thanks for
1: watching.